What's happening, everybody? It's your man Hudson, and I'm here with Samori and Jason to bring you the SJH Man Cave. Now sit back and enjoy the show, y'all. Look here, look, I'm gonna just talk because, you know, normally I'd ask how you guys doing, but again, I don't care. It, it you know, I, I'm, I got a heavy heart today. You know, I got a heavy heart. It's been a tough day. And, uh, you know, I, I suspect that it's the same thing around the, around the country. You know, I, I, I guess some people are happy. You know, those, those, those MAGA folks, those, those conservatives, I, I hear they're in chat rooms going crazy about this whole thing. But uh, Rittenhouse, he, he's been, been found not guilty on all charges. All charges. Um, you know, that, that heck of a thing for me. I, well, I expected it. Yes, I did. Um, but I, it still, it still hit pretty hard. I mean, Samori, what did you think about it? I mean, I expected it and it didn't hit hard for me because since I expected it, I kind of already went through my emotions about it. Uh, I remember the, the day right after it happened, my father was sending me a bunch of emails and showing me video of what occurred. And he basically said, there's no way he's going to be charged um, for this. And, you know, my <laughs> father's a, a big time Second Amendment enthusiast, <laughs> big time, you know, we should all be armed uh, type of guy. So he was definitely all about how are you going to charge him for something like this? Um, I Your thought pop say it, it's over with Jack. Yeah. I, if he said anything, especially when it comes to guns, I'm, I'm right. on board all day. Like, yep, <laughs> I got you. Yep, that's what's up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in our, in our concealed carry, right. I mean, they, they went over this very scenario. Right. Right. And, and they, they told us in that class that that's, you know, yeah. yeah when you, when you say you fear for your life, that's like, that's hard to disprove. Right. Jason, you were there, right. You, you heard all that. Oh yeah, I oh, shoot. Yeah, the majority of what I got from getting from 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 that class we took was pretty much as long as as long as you just don't take out your gun in the middle of a room of people in like prayer, like literally if you walked into a Catholic church while they were all on their prayer knees and they were just praying, it's pretty much the only way you go into jail. Basically, hmm. otherwise or whatnot, all the dude got to do is raise his voice to you. And then you clearly fear for your life. There's no, there's no definition of fear, fear for your life. So it's, 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 it's everybody's individual feeling at that point. Oh, I feel threatened. Bang. <laughs> I'm saying so. Unless you're black. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, what I found surprising, what what did catch me off guard, and maybe it shouldn't have. Maybe if I had looked into this more, I would have already expected it. But when they waved off the charge of him being underage and in possession of a deadly weapon, mm -hmm. I don't understand what's the reasoning to say that there's no basis for that charge. He was clearly underage. He was out of state in, in a place that he did not live. And I, I don't understand. I mean, any gun. It's not just that, you know, it was an AR-15. People love all my AR-15, but he could have been a handgun. Uh, any, it, regardless, it would be constituted as a deadly weapon, I would think. So I don't understand that reasoning, but everything else, I was not surprised at all. Well, they supposedly he found some, I mean, the judge was working hard for this kid. Um, yeah. Supposedly he found some loophole about barrel length 
and and some loophole about hunting. But it was very clear mm-hmm. that Rittenhouse is not going there for hunting. So mm-hmm. uh, he just threw. He just said, well, "Here's a loophole," and said, "Just throw it out." Right. That, that's what mm-hmm. it looked like to me. But mm-hmm. I, I guess what best the question then is how. You know, uh, um, and and David in the chat says that that's not accurate, and uh, I don't quite uh, know at which part he came in and said that, so I'm not sure. So uh, if you could elaborate, David, go right ahead. Let us know uh, what what you mean. Uh, what's not accurate? But um, you know what it what it begs the question for me is is how does the prosecution get a get a conviction in this? Like like. What what did they expect? How how do they even begin to try to what what a lot of people look at and say it looks like self defense to me when you look at the seconds leading up to him firing the gun? How do you even begin to get a conviction? Samori, I mean, I'll start with you. I mean, you can't. <laughs> That's basically what it comes down to. That's why nobody was surprised by this. I mean, there's probably a question about whether or not the charges that were brought against him should have even been brought in the first case. Mm-hmm. Again, the only charge that I felt like, okay, there's a case for this, is possession, being underage while possessing a deadly weapon. But as far as trying to make the case that he came there to kill and that then he decided just going around shooting a bunch of people, there was no evidence of that from the very, very beginning. And it's just, it's just sad all the way around because... From a moral standpoint, you can absolutely make the case that what he did was completely jacked up, going to a place where you do not live with a rifle and basically walking up and down the streets looking for problems, looking for issues. And so, you know, from that standpoint, absolutely, there's a problem. But from a legal standpoint, I do not believe there's any legal standing that they could really legal issue that they could really bring to him legitimately. This was just, this was just anger. Everybody was angry that it happened and it happened because he was there. You know, it's deeply unfortunate. It's deeply upsetting. It's not something he can go to prison for. Well, you know, I think, I think one of the things his, his lawyer, his defense lawyer used was a a rush to judgment. But I I mean, I got some thoughts on, on what I think could have been an angle where they, where they may have could have made some headway. But first, Jason, what do you think? In regards to just how, how would they have gotten a conviction? Well, it's kind of like how Samori said, like when, when they arrested him and first of all, I mean, if you could charge somebody in regards to just, just, he, 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 they, they threw out the whole gun charge. Right. And I believe if I'm not mistaken, it was just the fact that because him having the possession was because he crossed state lines with it. And he went into another state that had different laws than the state that he was from, which was, he was from Illinois and he went into Wisconsin. So, I mean, the fact that they went and they threw that out pretty much like automatically, pretty much kind of set the tone for the rest of the case. It was kind of funny that the jury took, what, four days mm-hmm. to come back with not guilty? I, I assumed they was going to come back maybe an hour or two later on because it's like, how you how could you say he was guilty of anything? Uh, the entire situation was unfortunate. Uh, yeah, he got dropped off by his mama up in Wisconsin. Uh, can you say that he went up there to 
you know, cause trouble? Did he go up there to intentionally murder somebody? Did he intentionally go up there to cause, you know, hysteria and stuff like that? I mean, if that was the case, then everybody that was up there with a gun who was supposedly protecting property would have had some form of charge put against them. I mean, because I mean, because my thing is, is if you're going into another state protecting somebody else's property, how do you just make the decision to do that? Hmm. So I hmm. would figure like maybe you would have to explore that that type of deal. Like, did somebody hire you to protect this? Were you contracted by somebody? Do you work for a security company that contracted you to come up here to Wisconsin and protect their property? I mean, I, I mean, I feel like maybe that should have been explored a little bit more. I I, did, I just didn't know you could just show up in somebody else's state and be like, hey, I'm protecting the store. I didn't think that was a thing that you could do. But as an American or as a white American, I guess you can do that. Mm-hmm. Black you folks, know, uh, you know, you had Black Panthers and shit that walked around with guns all day long. And they, they, them folks, they, they tried to put their asses in jail all the time. But I mean, they did they, it. They did it successfully. <laughs> you know? So... You know, how do you get a conviction off of what he did? I I don't see one. Well, you know, I think I think when you, yeah, I I don't know that I I would have even necessarily wanted to show any video if I'm the prosecutor because it it doesn't like the video to me doesn't really help anything that they were trying to do because if I'm a juror and I'm looking at that video and I'm thinking to myself I would have shot too. You know, especially when I was 17, I got a gun in my hand, somebody coming with a skateboard, I'm shooting. You know, I'm not, I'm not thinking about how deadly a skateboard is or, or whatever the case, or it got fist or whatever. Not thinking about any of that, yeah. right? And, and so you have to somehow convince them. Like, like to me, my angle would have been solely, what did you come for? And, and I would have had to have asked, you know, because there were claims that he came to provide security, help put out fires, help to uh, help and help with first aid. So, you know, my questions would have been centered around, okay, you know, how many people did you give first aid to? You know, uh, at the at the point that you shot three people, uh, how many bandages did you have on you? How many first aid kits did you have on you? How many, you know, did did you have anything? that would have helped to patch that person's wound after you shot him. I mean, what, you know, if, if we're talking about putting out fires, did you have a fire extinguisher on you? Did you have anything on you to do any of that? What store were you protecting at the time? You know, all these questions I, I would ask, like you didn't seem like you were in front of any store when you shot to, to so, at least two of these people. So I, I would have had to try to hit those angles much harder. So I think that angle would have been much better than what the prosecutor did, because I strongly agree with you. The video is very, very convincing from a self-defense standpoint, not only because considering the situation, most people would have shot, but also he shot in a very, very disciplined manner. He shot specifically the people who were attacking him. Once they were neutralized, he stopped shooting and then he walked towards the cops so there, it, it makes a, it makes trying to make a case against him very, very difficult. I don't believe that the angle you're talking about would have actually um, would have worked because he didn't come while his mother was the one who dropped him off. He came there with a whole organization. It wasn't like he was there by himself. 
It was a whole organization who were basically saying, we're coming here to help protect the businesses and stop the rioting. So basically, you're trying to question the motives of an entire organization. And then he, as a kid, as a 17-year-old kid, can easily say, well, no matter what they were here for, I came here to help. And so I feel like it would be very, very difficult to get anything to stick saying that, no, you came here for the opportunity to kill. Just from the very beginning, this case was handled poorly. And again, I think it speaks volumes that the vast majority of us who heard this news are not surprised by it at all. Nobody was expecting him to be guilty. Nobody. Yeah, and, and that speaks to to what Marcus just said in the chat. Yeah, no, no, Marcus, we're we're not surprised. Um, you know, we're we're not surprised at all. And in fact, it's the verdict that we all expected to happen. You know? I honestly wasn't even paying attention to the thing. I, I thought it was a waste of time, quite honestly. Like, mm-hmm. you, you gonna sit here, and you gonna try and convict this white boy, and when I and when you started hearing the judge talk, like literally, like maybe like this was dude's uncle or something like that. Yeah, it, it remind you know what it reminded me of. It reminded me of that uh, Duke uh, lacrosse trial, hmm. or or so like an episode of SVU it was like, do we really want to ruin this young man's life? He has such a future. Now, if this was a seventeen year old black kid, totally <laughs> different story. It would have well, been a totally different thing. Well, be clear, it would have been a seventeen year old man at that point. Oh, of, of course, <laughs> of course, right. <laughs> oh yeah, like when you when he came up there in his little suit and he blew out the boohoo tears and shit. Like, come on, that's what I was gonna ask. <laughs> child, come on, who can you, are you really telling me this jury bought these tears, dude? The whole time he was standing in the court, it looked like he could. It was looked like he was trying to hold back a smile. Um, like, did, did anybody else notice that? Like, is it be like every time you saw him in the courtroom, just standing behind? you know, the, the table and whatnot. It looked like he was literally holding back a smile. Like, he just knew. I already know where this is going, so uh, let me wow. let me try my best not to smile. <laughs> and then wow. that little cry at the end when they, when, they, when they basically told him not guilty and that little, whew, that little collapse. It's like, I come know, on, right? bro. <laughs> you know, it, it, I mean, all of that, all of that, all of those theatrics were just crazy. I mean, uh, you know, you know, I, I didn't write this down in, in my notes to ask, but but now that I think about it, you know, there was a lot of mention of how unusual it was for them to put him on the stand, you know, to begin with. I, I mean that I mean that that's quite a risky move. It, even when you have a, what appears to be just an open and shut case here, to put a seventeen-year-old on the stand. It is quite risky. I mean, would y'all have done that? Well, I mean, that's coaching. I think, I think, like, number one is like the first thing that I feel like most people who are, most lawyers who are defending somebody is that, you know, you got to coach up, you know, you're dealing with a young, impressionable kid. So you got to coach him as hard as you can. And the fact of the matter is, is he had an entire year to do it. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, hey, man, we're going to this courtroom. You know, he'd been at home. It ain't like he'd been in jail or nothing like that. His, his lawyers and whatnot been coaching him for for an entire year. Like, hey, keep your emotions in check. If you're going to show any emotion, let it be regret, if anything else and whatnot. They only show that type of emotion, but just don't get out of pocket, especially during cross-examination. So, no. no and most of these cases like this and whatnot, when you have a certain amount of time to coach up your clients and let them know what it is that's going to be destructive to them and what's not going to be, Especially when you're dealing with a 17-year-old kid. I mean, 
I think it's pretty easy. And it wasn't like the prosecution was going in hard on him mm-hmm. at the end of the day. I mean, hell, the, the judge made sure that and whatnot but by fucking around and taking away the language that the prosecution actually used in regards to dealing with the kid. Like, don't, don't, don't refer to these people as victims. They were anarchists and, 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 and arsonists and all this other stuff. You can mention them that way. So basically, the judge did nothing but empower the kid. So there was nothing threatening him at that point. So why not throw him on the stand? And hey, I think, throw out some tears and whatnot. Let's see what it looked like. I think that's the important thing to remember as well. It's not just whether or not um, the the client is coachable, but also if you put them on the stand, do you feel like other people who are listening to him will be empathetic towards what he has to say? And the fact of the matter is, White people in general have shown themselves to be very, very sympathetic to the situation and what he's going through. That's why you got so many folks on social media saying that he's a hero. And I'm Mm -hmm. so glad that he got off because a lot of them have the same viewpoint that the judge communicated. He shot a bunch of terrorists and anarchists and arsonists and scum of society that we didn't need around anymore. And he's the example of a great kid who decided to cross state lines to protect other businesses and stand up for the community and yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. So of course you put them on the stand. That makes it a no brainer because it's just gonna be a great look for you with these other 11 white jurors (laughs) that they decided to have tried the case because there was just apparently nobody black who they were okay with having in the courtroom. Well, now look, see, and this is this is where, you know, I don't know if you guys saw my Facebook post, but I had to post that, you know, I've only been I've only been uh uh summoned for jury duty one time in my life. And and doggone it I went. I mean, and I and I know so many people who try to get out of jury duty and we just can't, we can't do it. I know it sucks, mm-hmm. but we, we cannot be getting out of jury duty. We need to be represented in, in, in as many facets as we can. If they summon you, please go. Did you ever get called in though? They, but they I, got did. Called, I got, I actually got put on a, I mean, it was a, I mean, it was just a, a some type of weak um, traffic, court incident mm-hmm. kind of case. Yeah, it wasn't I, just, I just sat in the room. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> the whole damn day. They was like, yeah, go home. Like, these right. people, these there were multiple black people who were called and spoken to and were crossed off the list. Really? Like several of them. It Absolutely. wasn't an accident. It wasn't because people didn't show up. It's because the defense purposefully set up this situation to ensure there would be as few black people sitting in those seats as possible. Well, supposedly, supposedly, I mean, it's random, right? Supposedly, but they get, I guess each of them get so many different ones that they can just say, no, we don't want that one and strike them off, right? Right. So, of course, I I would think that they're going to go for anyone they think has any sort of a, Mm -hmm. you know, that sort of a mindset to go. uh... Well, the thing (laughs) is, like, in jury selections, it's the prosecution and the defense who one that that are picking jurors, right? My understanding yeah. is the defense was part of the problem as well. That's what I was about to say. Like, how did the defense mm-hmm. let that happen? No, I mean, not the, the defense, but how did the prosecution allow that? It goes back to what David said in the chat. Prosecution was in on it. Prosecution was part of the problem. And honestly, 
we, you know, this isn't the case of a black person being shot by a police officer, but that's the kind of thing that we see in those, in those type of trials over and over and over again. It feels like both the prosecution and the defense are working to protect the officer who done shot this brother. Mm. <laughs> like, we see that all the time, and this situation was no different. It just so happens that he shot a white person, but it was a white person they didn't care about. As far as they were concerned, that white person is scum. That was going to be my question, too. So he shot two people and he injured one. Were they all white? Yeah. I know the one dude he shot at was the convicted felon. I know they 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 they, they, they smeared my man as quick as they could when he first got shot. They do. I don't remember what the second dude did, but I just oh, remember some, the first somebody, dude. Somebody they said was a pedophile, uh, mm. uh, you know, but I mean, they, and all, they said all three of them have some charges. As if, as if Rittenhouse knew any of that. When he shot <laughs> as if he knew any anything about these three dudes when he shot them, right? Yeah. So even if that were true, it's not like that was on his mind. But you know, it it, it leads me down a leads me to, this whole thing always kind of leads me down a path because he was there because uh, of the protests that were going on for the Jacob Blake shoot, mm-hmm. right? And and I find it ironic of the similar circumstances, right? This is what I always complained about with the Jacob Blake shooting. Anybody who doesn't uh, remember it, basically uh, father gets shot in his back like nine times and he's paralyzed. You know, um, in that shooting, right, you see the video, he walks past multiple officers, goes all the way around the front of his vehicle, all the way to the driver's side that's on the other side. Right, opens his door, and then they shoot. And my question's always been, if you didn't want him there, why did you let him walk past you, 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 and you to get in there for you to now claim that you fear for your life? Right? And and, and here we have another situation, right? 17-year-old kid goes into this thing, separates himself from his group, Right, he goes with this big group. They're not even partnered up. He's just there, mm-hmm. somewhere in the middle of all of this mess. Seventeen-year-old kid to go there holding a gun, right, holding a big gun, posturing all over the place, puts himself in this position, right. But of course, <laughs> you know, we we just we 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 can't question that in court. That, that, I mean, we cannot question these decisions that lead up to it. And it, and it leads to something I saw somebody said, you know, even a stupid person has the right to defend themselves, which mm-hmm. is what it comes down to. So all the decisions you made to put yourself in that moment don't count. All that counts is the moment. And, and, and that's the big flaw in all of this, right? It's, it's even something I used in school. And this is a pet peeve for me because I used this in school because when I was in school, as long as you didn't throw the first punch, you didn't get suspended. <laughs> so I used that to my advantage. When I want to fight somebody, I would talk about their mama. I'd talk about, I'd talk about anything I think would get them riled up. I just want them to swing first. That's all I want. That's all I want. Because I knew as long as that happened, Right. So at what point do we do we as a society look at this and go and maybe it'll never happen. Right. But at what point do we say we have to start looking at these situations that led you up to this moment and place some blame there? I, I think 
again, it would have to be a completely different situation where less people were sympathetic about the motivations. At the end of the day, large swaths of the American population look at what happened as a riot, looked at it as them burning down businesses for no reason. And therefore, when you see a situation where somebody decided to step up and do something about it, even if it ended in a violent altercation, they are not interested in holding that person accountable at all, at all. So this is not the type of situation where you can expect people to be reasonable and balanced about things. They can't even be reasonable and balanced about why these protests are happening in the first place. I was going to say, like, it seems like everything is so supercharged nowadays, leading back to the whole, yeah, everything, everything is a left and a right thing right now. So trying to prove a point, it, it, everything is going to be, uh, it's the leftist, it's the, it's the socialists trying to change our country and do it. And it's the, the far right and everything else battling against evil, the evil left and shit. So until all this shit starts to calm down, which. I don't see it happening no time soon. There's no way you can have a positive conversation about this. Either way, on, on either side, like there's there's nobody coming to the table speaking rationally mm-hmm. at this point. There's nobody coming into a situation with rational thought. Mm-hmm. These people, they they threw on their guns and said, okay, we're going to go up here to Kenosha because we don't agree with the fact that that nigga who got shot really got shot for a good reason. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, no, you can't tear up stuff and whatnot because y'all mad. Mm-hmm. When on the other hand, January 6th, motherfuckers went and tried to fucking kill senators and everything else. <laughs> but you you don't understand the anger from the other side. It, it is crazy that there's such a divide on, on what's angry about. Storm mm-hmm. the Capitol because the guy you wanted to be president lost. You get another go at it in four years. We upset because somebody died. <laughs> That that mm-hmm. that brother is gone. Multiple brothers and sisters mm-hmm. gone. Their lives shattered. Families altered forever. We're upset. That's a riot. Y'all upset because you gotta get, take another crack at it in four years, mm-hmm. and, and that's a protest. That's a no, not a protest. It's a patriotic protest. Oh, yeah. Stop it. Now, Stop it. you know, and and because there's another topic I do want to discuss today. So, but there's one more key point or or key thing I want to talk about in this is that the the third person who who didn't die when they wounded, right? The third person, and I, I can't pronounce this name, so I'm I'm not even gonna butcher it. Um, but the third person, right? It looked as if that he he definitely he was the one that had a weapon on him, right? But there's there's lots of speculation as to what he was trying to do. And, and a lot of people think he was just trying to show it to, to maybe get Rittenhouse to back down. It don't work like that. Right. And well, and that's and that's the question, right? Now, now and all what does this verdict do for because th- this could have easily been been, you know, been mutual combatants and no charges brought against anyone. And Rittenhouse could easily been under the ground, you know. Uh, it it could have went that way, right? So, so what does this do next time? Next time this happens, you know, I, I, I mean, and, and, and that's the thing, right? Conservatives and and people in these chat rooms, they're talking about, you know, how how they're going to handle protests 
from here on out. But what about the protesters? Now, what are they going to be prepared to do? Jason, we'll start with you on that. Oh, well, shit. Well, my feelings only in regards to just how this whole thing turned out was that you basically are giving people permission to go out and just kind of execute people. Uh, there's obviously with these protests, there's already anger fueled into the situation. So, uh, quite honestly, as much as you want to take the high road and you, you know, from the left side of it, which is, you know, majority of the people who are out there doing the protesting because something has been unjustly done. Uh, I think it's time to arm up people. I think it's time for y'all to go ahead and get them guns and whatnot and take care of yourselves because the police aren't going to do it. Yeah, uh, it doesn't really seem because because every one of these protests we've seen, we've seen opposition, right? Mm-hmm. And in most of the videos that the people like to show and everything that gets recorded, we see that the opposition is always coddled and there's always concern for there's always direction from the police. It's like, hey, just so you know, uh, we're going to be lined up down here. Uh, you know, the protest is going to be coming across the street from you. So we're going to expect y'all to be calm. But if they not calm, we're going to come down here. We're going to support you. I've, I've literally heard cops say that to the people that are rolling into the situation with the guns already, which is usually the right. Mm-hmm. So at some point in time, I mean, you're going to have to organize. You're going to have to organize yourself for some kind of protection. Uh, I'm not saying that it's a right thing to do, and I don't think escalating to, you know, everybody just arming up. Because at one point in time, you're just going to have, you're just going to have cities that are just going to be tearing themselves apart because anger is just going to take over. But, and, and, and even having guns, I mean, it's not going to stop people from dying. I mean, that's the whole, you know, that's the whole rights usual. That's, that's one of their key points is, you know, a good person with a gun. I forget what the dumb ass shit they say. What is a good person <laughs> with a gun uh, does good things, some stupid shit like that. It wasn't worth remembering. So yeah, yeah it was really fucking guy, stupid. something like a good guy with a gun stops yeah. the bad guy with a gun, something like that. Yeah, it's 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 really fucking stupid. Like every mm-hmm. time I hear it, it's mm-hmm. like really mm-hmm. okay, you say so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. so, like I mean, does everybody? I mean, at some point, I mean, it comes from a person who thinks Trump is good. So <laughs> you know, they they already got a skewed view on what's good. So. Yeah. <laughs> These motherfuckers and shit want to kidnap uh, governors and mayors and shit. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, when it comes to guns, like, I believe there's protection in them. But once everybody has them, I think protection goes out of the door and you just, you just, you know, waiting for war at that point. So, I think a decision has to be made is, you know, is what you're doing worth being a martyr? Are you are you so hard? Are you are you a part of your situation? Are you a part of what it is that you want to be that, you know, you're going to run the risk of one of these opposition people coming in and trying to blow your head off because they've proven that they're going to allow it. Well, it's going to happen. So, uh, I mean, and Samori, you know, I want to hear your thoughts, too. I mean, essentially what they do in these situations, the police is they surrender portions of the city. Mm-hmm. Right. They, they pretty much surrender that part of the city and say, y'all do what you do. You know, you burn the building down, you do whatever. We're not coming in there. And they stay on the outskirts and that's it. Right. Yeah. I mean, so so what should protesters do except arm up, just like Jason said? Um, so first and foremost, I want to say a gun is not supposed to be a deterrent. You're not you're really you're not supposed to be showing it 
You're not supposed to be telling people that you're armed. If it gets to the point that you have to pull out your gun, then you're supposed to go ahead and use it. Yeah. It just is what it is. And if it ain't at that point, if it hasn't reached the level where you're going to shoot somebody, then you shouldn't be pulling it out. Right. So the whole, I was only trying trying to uh, point it at him and defuse the situation, nah, bro. <laughs> mm -hmm. Nah, it doesn't work that way. And that dude that the defense put on the stand, they should have never put him on the stand because he all he did was get up there and confirm the prosecution got him to confirm that, hey, yeah, he only shot me when I was pointing a gun at him. Mm -hmm. That doesn't help you. <laughs> that clearly doesn't help you. Um, does this situation cause things to escalate between protesters and anti-protesters? Maybe, but I think they were already escalating. I think mm -hmm. the, the anger was already boiling over. You know, um, I think they... I think they can be extreme sometimes, but I, I'm be straight up honest. I'm a fan of Antifa. I feel like everybody else, when the KKK is walking down the street, they just looking and saying, oh, it's a damn shame the KKK is marching. Antifa's the only one who gets out to the street and says, fuck are y'all doing here? Take mm -hmm. y'all asses back home. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm yeah. a fan. I'm yeah. a fan of that. And they don't always go back home just because you tell them to. Sometimes you got to punch somebody in the mouth and let them know this is not going to be tolerated here. Yeah. And I'm not against it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not against it. People keep bringing up the Constitution. When has the Constitution protected us? Yeah. It didn't protect yeah. us. It hasn't protected all these black men getting jailed at 10 times the rate. It's only other as good rates. as the people who are willing to, to enforce it. Up. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So I don't want to hear, well, they have a constitutional right. Nah, nah, I'm good on that. So yeah, it is going to escalate things. But you know what? I'm kind of the mindset. Sometimes things got to get worse before they get better. I mean, we just we keep being murdered. We keep being held in prison. Things keep getting worse. When you look at most of the major things that are impacting the black community and then look at where those things were during the time when King walked the streets, most of them are either the same or worse. Employment, uh, home ownership, the, the uh, imprisonment rates, the drug addiction rates, like none of this shit is better. Yeah. None of this, there, <laughs> there's been little to no progress. So, so to me, the whole idea of, well, we should be trying to keep the anger down and we should keep things from escalating and we've got to take the, the slow route to try to bring this change. Nah, no. nah, I don't see where there's any evidence that that's actually the case. By most margins, things are worse and people feel like they're not worse because they see we have more black millionaires. Because we mm -hmm. see we have more black people on TV. That that has nothing to do with what's really happening on the streets. On the streets, things are the mm -hmm. same or worse. And, and, and only let's be we clear. have the power to actually change that. And let's be clear. Even all throughout slave times, right, there were free black people. Mm -hmm. And some of them were very wealthy. Mm -hmm. There has always been some wealthy black people. And some of them had in slaves. This country at every time. So let's be clear, this is not the only time there's been black millionaires, you know, so so for people who keep wanting that, like this is that that's some how much better we're doing. Right. OK, you know, you need to go back. Look, look, look at the Tulsa race riots, you know, where where you had a, a, a thriving black community filled mm -hmm. with with 
uh, plenty of wealthy people there, which meant nothing. Constitution meant nothing for them. <laughs> you Absolutely. know, you know. So, so this is not like the first time in history where, where you know, these claims of we're doing so great now, you know, when the same things are still happening to us. So, so by every legitimate metric, white people smoke the same amount of weed as black people do, and yet we are jailed at what seven, eight times the rate. What is the Constitution doing for us? Yeah. Yeah. And everybody knows these statistics, and we all just watch. We all just watch it. And then... Y'all go out, go get the medical <laughs> cards and smoke your weed in your house. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, yeah, it's 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 craziness. I mean, well, you know, I, I guess we'll we'll get off of this topic because there, there's something else that's burning my mind. And, and it, 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 when I... Chicago. It, it's like this this day has just went after after seeing that verdict, which again I fully expected we all did, but it still hit me when I saw it. Um, you know, uh CPS, right? Comes which out stands with for Chicago story. Public Schools, in case you don't live in Chicago. Chicago I Public don't. Schools. You know. <laughs> Shut up, Chase. Just Weakling. Suburbs. <laughs> you know, no suburbs. You know, it, it's, it's, you know it, it's, it's shameful to, to read, uh, to get an email from CPS, who, who sent out a mass email, speaking on, uh, so, and, and it's been on the news now, uh, I believe it's about 12 people uh, most of them now fired. Some have charges are about to be brought on them. Uh, but 12 people basically for um, accused of sexual assault, sexual allegations, misconduct, all these fancy words in my mind for rape of, of, of our students in, in a high school in the Chicago Public Schools. And I, I was absolutely outraged. And, and what outraged me the most, what got me the most, is that this investigation had been going on since 2019, right? Th this is what got me the most, you know? Uh, uh, and, and I'm like, they're, they're raping our children and they're slow rolling in investigation. I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I feel like, I feel like and even when I watch the news reports, I feel like, I just see no outrage, and 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 I know newscasters they they have to be kind of even kill and and all of that. But when they want to, they show emotion. They get fired up about things, and and it's like, how could you read a story like that and just look like oh, it's business as usual? You know, and <laughs> what. I don't know. Have, have you guys read this story or, or seen anything about it at all? I didn't see anything about the story until you sent it to me. And then when you sent it to me, I had to try to Google and I had to drill down to actually find it. Like sometimes had it behind a paywall. And then there, um, I think there were only like two links that were actually related to it. And I agree with you. I'm you like, say, you got to pay to find out about it. Yo, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, I'm like, how is this not a bigger story? How is this not bigger news? But to be honest with you, as upsetting as this um, being investigated for two years is, 
I think it's just as big an issue that the investigator said he is limited legally with what he can charge them. Like, apparently, he can't just say, okay, we need to have these guys charged with rape. There's some sort of law, Title IX, I think he called it, and he said it basically limits him on what he's able to do. I haven't looked this up yet. I don't understand what the limitation is supposed to be, but he's basically said on camera his hands are tied. We know that these people groom students, sexually harass students, uh, uh, rape students while they were still in the class, and he's seems like he's basically saying, other than firing them, there's nothing I can do about it. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how that's possible. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't understand how that's possible. Twelve of them. <laughs> Like that's a what do you call it? That's a Rico case. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a yeah. whole that's a whole group. Right? What this. they call them, pedophile rings? They got a little rape ring. They yeah. ran a little rape ring in there. How do you not hold those people accountable? Get this, it's not and it's not just staff. There was a volunteer involved. They bring in a volunteer. And that and they said that person grew multiple students. Grew multiple. They bring in volunteers to do this. That's crazy. Uh, <laughs> and 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 it's like we're still allowing this school to to bring in students. I mean, there's still st- like where's the transparency? That that's that's what I'm like like. And I guarantee they're gonna hide behind the these are children, so we have to respect their privacy. And, and and I'm like so so privacy now is more important, of course, than their actual safety. Like that's the thing that's more important for people nowadays is their privacy, right? But if if, if thank goodness that that my kids aren't of high school age where I had to make a decision, and my God, that this school was on the short list to yeah. send them because that might have been some useful information. It's like hey, uh, we we kind of got an investigation going into a bunch of our staff possibly sexually molesting and and raping our students um you know is that a deal breaker for you like thank you sir yes yes that is a deal breaker for me thank you for letting me know we'll just move on to the next one david brings up a, a great point in in the chat that it seems like with the media we have today they only get fired up when there's an opportunity to divide if there's a left right angle they're all over it, and they're putting it all over the TV and let you know if you're a progressive, you should be upset, and if you're a Republican, you should be upset just on the other side of the aisle. But when it comes to things that don't have a political angle, it seems like we can't get nearly the level of enthusiasm. But Chris's point is actually really, really great. He says the Catholic <laughs> school has been doing this for years, and mm-hmm. now that I'm thinking about it, <laughs> if you had told me this had happened in a Catholic school, I don't think I'd be nearly as surprised. Mm-hmm. Might not even be nearly as outraged. Like I, I've almost come to feel like it's par for the course. With really? them. yeah, man. Yeah, you you don't feel like the, you don't feel like this has been like a secret. I mean, how long did it take him to arrest R. Kelly? <laughs> I mean, he sat out front of fucking CPS schools and waited for the girls. So why All would right. you think it was just him? <laughs> I, I assume I assume CPS teachers been raping kids and shit since I was born, if not before. Damn. I mean, bro, I didn't think of it that way. To be honest with you, I didn't. 
I'm just saying. Well, like, saying I remember. That, I remember. I did. I. I was. I was a product of Catholic schools, but I hung out like around a lot of CPS schools, right. and grown niggas hung out around them schools more often than the kids did. Mm-hmm. So to be surprised that they're in the schools, I mean, come on! Wow, that's it. Ain't like they, it ain't like right. they vetting people when they when they bring them in there to work. It's like you said, what they had a volunteer. But you know, here, but you know, and I guess the biggest difference in it all is that we're entrusting our kids to go to this institution and to be safe inside its walls. So, so what we're expecting is that no, everyone's not going to be a law-abiding citizen that they hire. But but I expect that when you hear that something's going on and you open an investigation in 2019, I, I expect <laughs> it to be wrapped up in 2019. <laughs> I expect to know what's going on in 2019. And I expect, again, some transparency. Like, well, how can you allow kids to continue to get accepted and go to this institution? It's like I say, they've been investigating R. Kelly since, what, 95, 96? And they just got him. <laughs> so. Damn. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah, but, I'll, you know, I'll... the difference is that's transparent. Like, at, at that point, after you see the first you see the first court case, you see the first video, and if you still decide <laughs> to send your kid over to him, now that, that's on you and you screwed up your own kid. I was about to say, right? and, and what's tripped out is, is they kept doing it, too. But no one sent out anything and said in 2019 and said we're investigating this school. We're open. We're investigating this school just to let you, you, uh, the parents who are already got kids there and prospective parents, you know, just to let you know. No, of course not. Of course not. Well, I find it interesting too because, like, at that point, it's like how much involvement do parents really have when it comes to some of these CPS schools at the same time too? Because I mean, I, I know it's hard to talk to your kids and stuff nowadays. Most folks and whatnot just throw your kids, throw them in the goddamn school. Most of them don't even care if they make it to school nowadays. I mean, they got to get to work or they got to do whatever it is they got to do. But mm-hmm. just just to think that there's parents that don't know that's going on in the school or that you don't have kids and whatnot that are at least having conversations about it and, you know, putting that out there. I mean, to find that that's been concealed so tightly that – it's not gotten out. I find that surprising. Hmm. Well, I mean, supposedly there are reports that things did get out, hmm. right? But it's not going out to the masses. So it's not, it's not somehow it, it's, it, it hasn't gotten through media channels to report it. It hasn't gotten through, but you know, you've had various, I'm sure various whistleblowers who have tried to, I hate using that term. I actually think whistleblower is a good thing. But I know a lot of people put a negative, like, sort of spin on whistleblowing. Whistleblowers but, are great. Yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> Tell us what we need to know. I'm, I'm <laughs> all for whistleblowers, please. You know, mm-hmm. so, but it, supposedly there is, but they use their intimidation tactics, this and that. Supposedly students were intimidated into staying quiet as well, things like that. It, it, and you know how that all goes when you got a, a child trafficking ring, basically, like Samori said, you got a rape ring going on so they're they're getting tough but i want to put this quote up and i've left this quote up longer than i've left any other comment that we've ever gotten uh Mm -hmm. on this right there are two rapists sitting on the supreme court thank you chris for 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 commenting on that 
because that speaks highly. And, and we're talking about two rapists who were highly defended by the people who nominated them to be on the Supreme Court, defended which, them to no end. Which two? Brett Kavanaugh and Kavanaugh, Clarence right? Thomas. Right. Now, now that Kavanaugh one seemed to kind of fall off real fast. Am I am I wrong about that? Like, like it's not that it fell off; it's that he got on the Supreme Court. Yeah. So, but I mean, at the same time, though, when 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 you're talking about this type of stuff, and it was one of them things that I kind of felt like fed into, and I know I'm getting off the subject, but it 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 fell it it fell into that conversation that the right had that you know what I mean. They brought this up just so they can you know taint the Republican pick for the Supreme Court. Like they they only talked about it until until he got on the Supreme Court. Like, isn't this a conversation that should still be happening? It is still Absolutely. happening. But the fact but the fact of the matter is, it doesn't get the kind of traffic that it used to because he's on now the Supreme Court. there's no way to punish him. Hmm. Like the Supreme Court is a lifetime position. It's not like he's going to try to run for president. It's not mm-hmm. like he's going to try to do something else. Like maybe he might write a book. But this is it. He's already reached the pinnacle of his career. So, so any, any uh, 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 leverage or avenue they had to punish him and try to hold him accountable is gone. And, and let's be clear, it was only really? brought up yeah. just to keep him off of the bench. And right. When uh, the Democrats are not free of of uh, of this rape culture. Biden either. was accused of rape during the mm-hmm. uh, during his um run for presidency and the right. democrats wrote that woman off completely slandered her a bunch they did the exact same thing republicans do right but yeah the supreme court is a lifetime position he is there until he dies or retires so, so like you can't you can't bring any charges to him or anything like that even no. because he's a judge now especially well, not in this you, political climate how would you you, you wouldn't have republicans to, be- to help this has to be, uh, and I think just like the just like the president or or, or anyone sitting in a, in a federal office, I think it has to be a very airtight case. Mm. Like there there can't be. You almost have to have a judge find him guilty before you can even before you yeah. can even bring the charge. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost what it is. That really? case has to be so tight. Yeah. I don't even know if and there it, is a mechanism to be, remove a Supreme Court judge. And it can only be certain things. It can only be certain things that you could charge them with while they're sitting. So I don't even know if rape counts. So they can't. So like, literally sitting on the Supreme counts. Court pretty much. Right. You're just so, secure from law. Basically. A Supreme Court justice can only be removed from office by impeachment. No shit. Yep. Oh wow! Yeah, so he's he's locked in there. So he in there. So yeah. it don't even matter if he decided to start doing shit as a Supreme Court judge. He can't that's touch why, it. That's why it's all dead. That's why it's well, all dead. Wow. Well, just like they they uh, they impeached Clinton for for uh, that indiscretion, right? So they could right. they could they could in theory impeach. They could decide to impeach him for it if they wanted, but obviously mm. they're not going to. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Right, and it's very clear they're not going to, because just like you said, it just fell off right after it happened. Right, mm-hmm. that's very so, yeah. I just I thought that was but, odd, like how quiet that got after that. But that's that's the reason why I I did not I didn't know that. But huh. going back to the school situation, one of the yeah. other things the inspector mentioned was that he feels like the laws also need to change regarding how people who enable abusers are treated as well. Because just like he can't punish those people who are directly involved, I, he's probably finding it difficult 
to punish those people. He mentioned specifically that there were people who received, I forgot what they called them, but basically they were notified about, hey, this is messed up what this person mm -hmm. is doing. And some of those folks kept that under wraps, hid it, didn't allow, didn't allow those people to be punished. And he was like, these people need to go to jail. And apparently the laws right now don't allow them to really be able to do that. And to me, that is really the huge story about a lot of these harassment cases. So many times when I'm looking at them, I'm like, all of the focus is on the person who did the crime. But very little focus is getting is given to all of their enablers. Like, I don't see any of R. Kelly's enablers being punished. Mm -hmm. I don't see mm -hmm. any of... um that movie producer who kicked a lot of this stuff off, he had... Uh, what was that boy's name? I know you're talking yeah, about that. He yeah. had, right, he had enablers who would bring these girls up to the hotel rooms yeah, knowing he, had he intended to rape them. Knowing exactly what was going to happen to these women, none of those people went to jail. And, the, the, and I feel like part of the problem, too, is all the media attention is on this man and this man who's doing terrible things who a lot of times has female assistants. Yeah, Harvey Weinstein, exactly, exactly. Harvey Weinstein, he had female assistants who were walking these women up the stairs knowing they were going to be raped. And then when you ask the question, well, why aren't these people being punished as well? You get, oh, well, you know, they were under his spell or, you know, their jobs were at risk. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? These are adults. These are adults. They ain't little kids. Don't tell me about how, oh, well, how could they have done anything different? Come on, man. Hey, man, no. you're talk, you talking about Hollywood. You're talking about Harvey Weinstein, man. You know how hard it is to get your foot in the dough? Sometimes, <laughs> well, sometimes you got to bring some booty to the table. Well, uh, here's, here's the thing. Like Harvey Weinstein is probably paying more to his enablers than, than R. Kelly's paying to his. Oh, so, that's what yeah. I am sure. so even if you make that case that the, those guys, those people make that case that, you know, they had too much to lose, right. you know, what, what R. Kelly's enablers have to lose on that? What were they? What did the CPS administrators but, have to lose? Exactly. But, but to bring, you know, I will round out Chris's, uh, what I think was Chris's overall point in bringing up the two uh, rapists sitting on the Supreme Court was that this is just a top-down problem throughout this whole country, right? Mm -hmm. This rape culture that's going on, you know, and and you know, and, and when you think about it from that perspective, you know, it's like this CPS thing is so small in a grand scheme of millions of cases that are happening that so many people cannot get justice, right? Yeah. For you know, people people being convicted for weed serves more time than some of these folk. Uh, who was this that just got, that just pleaded guilty to four counts of rape and, and is getting eight years probation, right? Ooh. I can't remember who that is, but it just happened recently. Eight mm -hmm. years probation that he's mm -hmm. getting and, and he admitted to it, admitted to everything, right? And he's getting eight. And I'll, what can we do? What can we do? We got to start convicting these people. I think it's really, sorry, sorry, go ahead, Jason. No, you go ahead. Hey, go and finish. I, I think it's uh, really sad the way we don't have a real vehicle to um, punish these people. 
and hold these people accountable. Like when Me Too first started, it seemed like that's what it was going to become. It seemed like maybe we were finally going to start turning a corner on this subject. And I have been so disappointed with the way that turned out. I, I just, I, I don't feel like anything is really changing in this country. And I feel like the entire spirit of what it was supposed to be about is corrupted. And when you look at how rape is treated in this country now, I feel like it's it's completely apparent that nothing really is changing. Like a few more guys are being punished, sure. But overall, from a culture standpoint, we're in the same place, stuck in mud. And it's not good. It's not good for anybody. It's not uh, good for anybody. Not to bring up any jealousy or anything like that in your Hudson. Uh, on the way back home, Samori and I had a conversation about... Uh, y'all had a private conversation? <laughs> no, it, I mean, we were the only ones in the car. So why, y'all, <laughs> why y'all coming from Pittsburgh? I mean, you weren't in the car, so on, on it, it was y'all little trip together. Him. It was just me and him, so <laughs> he was in the car, we talked. Mm-hmm. And right, we ain't got a lot of time. Maybe it'll be the next episode we can go into it, you know what I'm saying? I had a very, oh. I thought <laughs> I had a pretty good solution <laughs> when it comes to the laws in this country. <laughs> uh, like I said, we ain't got a lot of time. Uh, I feel like my my view uh, would change the world. Uh, <laughs> hey. We can save it for the next episode or something like that. Uh, but I think I have a solution for you. Uh, it, it's fear-based. We, we I'll, just, I'll leave it at that. It's all about chopping hands and <laughs> and and firing and, and firing squad. A lot of eye for right? eye it, type it, stuff. Okay, he's trying I'm to talking biblical, like, son. It was this. It's this deep, well thought out system. It's all about punishment. All right, chopping hands, castration, and firing squads. That that is Jason's thoughts. Okay, for, Jason. I first mean, off, I didn't have a lot to, of firing squads. I just had one guy. You need to. <laughs> Yeah, it just happened repeatedly. This is where you need to talk to my wife because she believes in stonings. So she, she, that's what she believes. Next episode, I'm going to drop my whole deal and we'll talk about it. How about that? that. My only problem with it, and I'm just going to say it right now, is that there's way too many convictions for me that get overturned and are false. Before we start stoning and beheading, that's what I say. I I eliminate jail that seven times the rate for the same crimes. In my deal, all that is eliminated, and I explained it to Sabori. We that won't even be a problem in my new regime, my new world. We we we, we throw out the books. He's not talking about instituting these punishments with the same laws. He's talking about starting over from scratch. Oh, dude, we got to start from scratch. We got to talk about this next. We week. have to update. We'll talk about, we'll talk about it next week. Because more more's only problem with it was the fact that uh, the uh, being able to prove stuff. And I was like, you know what? Hey, that's that's an antiquated deal. But like I say, we we get into it. We'll get into it next time. We ain't got we ain't got time. Okay, let me, let me set the stage for next week. So basically, it sounds like Jason is gonna let the audience know his foolproof plan for judging guilt versus innocence. A foolproof way to I'm determine a warned, guilt. Y'all. 
I'm gonna warn y'all right now. I ain't done foolproof about this nonsense. It is, it is all just. But, but you, yeah. but when you heard it, you couldn't deny it work. It would work. <laughs> yeah, I can. You, I can you only had work. one minuscule problem with it, <laughs> and that was stuff that we could work on. All right, we got to remember that we need to, even if we're talking about it for like ten minutes, just wow. to, you know, we got to yeah. remember now. We got, now we owe the audience. That we gotta talk about this. I uh, won't we coming back. I can't wait for that. Go <laughs> <Come on laughs> with it. <laughs> Look, wow. um, you know, overall it's been a tough day, and and you know, and thank thankful to these fellas that that can make me you know smile a little bit in the wake of this. Um, you know, the thought of beheadings, beheading criminals and firing squads. <laughs> you know, made me feel kind of good. You Dad know, straight rapist. You know. Um, <laughs> Rape for rape. Um, <laughs> oh, that, I forgot about that. <laughs> I, I think we need to save this for next week. Now I'm really intrigued. Um, wow! But uh, you know, I want to thank I want to thank the uh, the folk in the chat. You know, y'all brought up some really great points. Uh, yep, appreciate y'all. Glad you're able to make it. There. So, so thank you all. You know, uh, Latrice, always good to see you. Thank you for coming in. Uh, a long time supporter. We appreciate you. Uh, and, and thank you to the rest who came in and, and offered up some great wisdom for us. Um, well, that's it. Um, go home, love, hold your loved ones. Uh, you know, I know I am. It was a rough day for me. It's a rough day for the country, I think. Um, you know, hopefully others have handled it better than I can. And my heart goes out to the, the victims of, of, uh, of a uh, of Rittenhouse and, and their families, um, I don't think justice was served. Even though I'm not surprised with the verdict, and I do believe the verdict, you know, aligns with the laws the way they're written. Um, I still think it's a clear miscarriage of justice. Um, another example of the law doesn't necessarily equal justice. But I'm gonna say on that note. I want to say thank you, Samori and Jason, for coming in. You know, you guys are always appreciated. Thank you so much. And uh, I guess it's till next week and we see Jason's Bitmaster plan. <laughs> yeah. All right. Have some fun with that one, Jack. <laughs> I can't believe you brought this up all there. It's going to be a fun day. It's going to be a fun episode. That's what it is. <laughs> all right, y'all. Thanks for stopping in. We'll see y'all next week. Thanks, Peace. Peace. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. If you ever want to check us out live, then find us on Facebook at SJH Man Cave. Until next time.